Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, we have some big casting news to report. Rena Sofer, who has played Bold and Beautiful's Quinn Fuller for the past nine years, has opted to leave the show and will last air on August 29th. Now we have an exclusive interview with Rena in the new issue, courtesy of Carolyn Hinsey, where Rena says that the time is right for her to go and see what else is out there. So she's going to now focus on auditioning for film and primetime roles. She'll deal with her ceramics line, which is renasoferceramics.com for anyone who wants to check it out. And also getting her youngest daughter, Avalon, ready for college. You know, I think it's such a big loss for B&B. Quinn was a real unique character for that show. And the quarter romance with Quinn and Carter was really picking up a lot of steam. So the timing is unfortunate on that end, but she had so much praise for Lauren St. Victor, who plays Carter, as well as for the show itself. And she really had a solid, almost decade-long run. Now, the interesting part to me was that she did not say no to reprising GH's Lois if the opportunity arose. I don't want to get my hopes up, but I think a return by Lois, even if it was a short-term one, would be utterly fantastic. I would love to see her in scenes with Lisa LeCicero, who's Olivia knew Lois when they were growing up in Brooklyn. And of course, I would love to see her in scenes again with Wally Kurth, her real-life ex, because Ned and Lois were just such a special couple. But I agree with you that Rena, who is, you know, just such a terrific actress and really brought something dynamic to B&B, will be so missed on that canvas. Now, there's another big exit coming down the pike. Kelly Tebod, who has played Brit on GH on and off since 2012 and won an Emmy for her work earlier this year, will be reprising her role as Eva on the primetime drama Station 19. And while it is GH's policy not to comment on contracts, show sources confirmed to Digest that she will be wrapping her current run in Port Charles by the end of the year. I'm a big fan of Kelly's and of Brit's, so I'm happy for her, but sad for us viewers. Oh, me too. I mean, I feel the show has finally put Brit into really good story and right on the front burner. So the timing is just too bad. But I'm very happy for her for sure. Uh, Now, also in the new issue, I had the opportunity to talk to Days' executive producer, Ken Corday, about the big move to Peacock in September. Now, he answers a lot of the burning questions fans have about what this means for their viewing experience. And overall, I would say that his tone was very positive and excited. You know, he assures everyone that it will still be the same days everyone knows and loves. But, you know, even better in some small ways come spring. Uh, Just for anyone who isn't aware, Days films very early. They are already into February episodes. So we might see longer program length and maybe like the show will be a little more titillating. But he is overall so jazzed about being on the pioneering end of streaming soaps. I thought it was very interesting uh, during our last podcast when Robert Scott Wilson, who plays Alex on Days and was part of the 2013 internet version of All My Children, when that show and One Life to Live were rebooted, uh, he brought up the same thing that we've talked about, which is that viewers are so much more accustomed in 2022 to consuming programming via streaming than they were a decade ago. You know, in 1952, Guiding Light made the transition from radio to television, and it aired both on radio and on TV for four years before the radio production was officially phased out. I've never spoken to anyone uh, who listened on radio and had to make that leap to TV, but I wonder if it was similarly met among fans with a lot of anxiety and 
even fear about what it meant for the future of the show. Well, as we all know, Guiding Light lasted on TV from 1952 to 2009, making it one of the longest running programs on television ever. And uh, I don't think it's out of the question that days will similarly thrive on Peacock. It's interesting to think about what it means that the show could become more titillating, I might add. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but on the internet editions of All My Children and One Life, the love scenes were racier and there was even some swearing. I think it's going to be fascinating to you know track the changes. And I felt reassured by Ken's interview, which was a good reminder that change isn't necessarily a bad thing. Oh, I completely agree. And I also feel like you made such a good point about the transition from radio to television, because in the time you're talking about, not every American home even had a television. So I feel like it is comparable to people who don't stream. Like maybe this will make them stream. Maybe this will make them want to stream. You know, streaming's good people. Like, you know, my 90 year old aunt can do it. Everyone can do it. But really, Ken's voice had a lot of enthusiasm and energy, and it was not just some PR spin. He really sounded genuinely thrilled. And anyone in the industry who I've spoken to, you know, very matter-of-factly notes that this is the future for all of television, most likely, so we have to get used to it. And again, that doesn't have to be a negative thing. Now, our guest today is a relative soap newcomer who has already made quite a splash. It's Naomi Matsuda, who plays Bold and Beautiful's Lee. So let's check in with her and see how her daytime experience has been so far. Hi, Naomi. Hi. How are you? Very well, thank you. Better and better. Well, Mara and I were just saying how excited we are to talk to you and get to know more about you because we don't know a lot, but I feel like we will at the end of the hour. (laughs) So we are going to start that you were born in Nagasaki, Japan, and lived there for the first six years of your life. So do you have memories of your early life there? Um, A little, not too much, but a little, I do. I have memories of my home of my family there. I have memories of um, my cousins that I would play with. It's just just random visions that I see that I remember, yeah. Mm -hmm. So your family moved to San Diego when you were quite young. How would you describe what it was like for you to make such a major move at such a formative age? Well, yeah, I, I was what, five. I was five. Yes, I was five years old. And then, yes, and right when I came to the States, I turned six. So, yes, it was 1975 when we first moved out here. My mother, my brother, and I. And my aunt had already been living in San Diego. So, that was a, the invitation that we got when my mother decided to bring us over. So, we went to San Diego to stay with her for a while. And then we got our own place where my mother did. And that was the beginning of Naomi's life in America. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did become an All My Children fan. So how were you introduced to the show? And was that the only soap you watched or was it one of many? It, it was one of many. So um, at my aunt's house in the daytime, I would be the only one sitting on the couch watching soap operas. Didn't understand what I was hearing, but just the actions and everything. I remember sitting there like this on the couch, just watching and my aunt would walk by my mom and they would just ask, do you know what you're listening to? Are you, are you understanding this? And I said, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. They're like, okay. So at that point, and that's and six years old, I um, started uh, performing Japanese dance and then was still watching and just, and my cousins and I, we would always make up dances and skits and we would make everyone sit on the sofa and just watch us perform. Um, so that's what we were doing when we all lived together when we were you know, five, six, seven, around there, that age. Mm-hmm. Yes. But yeah, all my children, I was watching. I was watching Young and the Rest. I was watching them all, literally going back and forth and just sort of, you know, I have to watch this now, this now. I knew what time to watch them. I knew. <laughs> That's one thing I remember is that I have to watch this. And so my mom, whenever I wanted to watch TV, she would always say yes, so I can learn English. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, we didn't speak English when we first came here. So when I started kindergarten, I was late and uh, I learned my English there. And then when at home, we spoke English so my mom can learn English. And she spoke to us in Japanese, but then I forgot my Japanese because I never really spoke Japanese because I needed to speak English. <laughs> so now, so, so that's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've heard from a lot of... Um... Uh, actors and some viewers, certainly that that's how they learned English, which is it's 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 it makes a lot of sense. But I think it's also a really neat connection to have now that you're on a soap opera. (laughs) Yeah, yes, 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 yes. So generally speaking, what was it like to grow up in the San Diego area? Well, I was very privileged. I feel it was um, I was able to go to school, uh, private schools uh, starting from fourth grade and up and that was a neat experience just being able to um 
um, it belong to a school that I had, I could make friends and still to this day, uh, from my fourth grade class, um, a schoolmate had followed me on Instagram and she, she messaged me and said, do you remember me from fourth grade Claremont Christian? And I said, Oh, I do. <laughs> and so that was really cool. So those, so yeah, so there's a lot of reunions happening lately. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it, um, San Diego was just so nice. I had a best friend and, you know, I was staying at her place because my mom was always working and just learning how to, you know, cook um, Italian foods and just different kinds of just, you know, just different cultures. Because when we came here, of course, Japanese and my at home, it was Japanese, everything was Japanese. And I started to go to school in San Diego. I had a best friend um, in kindergarten. Her name was Nora Roman. And I would walk to her house every day. And over there, we ate tortillas and beans like every day. And I thought that was the best thing in the world besides ramen, because we were living off of ramen back then. <laughs> but I just thought that was so cool. And I got to go to church with them and got to wear the, um, um, the white dress for uh, communion. For, thank you. <laughs> yes. So that was a really Jewish nice girl. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, I would. I did. I would. I spent. I went to Yom Kippur. Yes, I did. For the whole, and I thought the ceremony was incredible. Like I just said, the scrolls. Oh my God, they're so gorgeous. And like the ceremony was so beautiful. But the four, I said, okay, we're on fourth hour. Can I go or is it okay? <laughs> I want to be, I want to be respectful, but just, you can go. It's, it's fine. It's fine. I said, it was so lovely. Thank you so much for the experience. But I was like, wow, this is a long ceremony. Yep. You've never lived till you've done Yom Kippur in a synagogue. Yeah, exactly. I did. I've lived. I can say I have done that <laughs> and enjoyed it. But after four hours, I'm like, okay, I, it's, I yeah, gotta we're, go. We're good. And yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned that, you know, you and your cousins uh, did skits and that you were uh, that you studied uh, traditional Japanese dance. So do you feel like this is where you really began to tap into the love of performing? Yes, you know, I yeah, absolutely. But I, I see I saw pictures. I have pictures from when I was two and three on stage singing at weddings. And my mom would just put me up there. She would give me hand me a microphone and she would just say, go ahead and just <laughs> sing. And there's, I don't remember doing that. I was so young, but I guess I was already performing before. And then it was, and dance was just, it just came natural to me. And um, yeah, so I, I started dancing. And uh, so my cousins and I, we would always do skits of dancing, you know, just like um, the disco dance. I guess it was the seventies. So we just uh, watching, what is that soul train? And we would just perform <laughs> always. And we just make everyone just watch all the, all the boys you know, my brothers and cousins, and they would just sit there just bored and just, like, they would make them sit and watch us. So it was really, really fun. Yeah, so I definitely started performing. My mother was also a performer. She was, she's a wonderful singer and she was a performer of the family also. So I think I took after her mm -hmm. and my and my grandmother who is who performed Japanese dance in Japan until she was in her late 80s. Oh, yeah. yeah. The white makeup and the wig and the kimono, just so elegant. She was just so incredible just watching her. And I was so, I thought how wonderful it was. That I was able to see her actually perform when I, um, when I was a teenager. So That's amazing. That Absolutely. Incredible. Yeah. Um, now at 13, you added jazz and ballet to your repertoire as a dancer. So was dance something you considered pursuing as a career? Oh. Yeah, that, that was the whole reason why I moved to L.A. in the first place mm. was because I wanted to be a dancer. Well, I was a dancer, but I wanted to do music videos and tour. And that was my goal at the time. <laughs> I, I I tried to move up here when I was 17, I remember, and I failed. And I went back to San Diego and I said, no, I, I don't think I made it this time. Um, I wasn't strong enough, secure enough. I was so young and just... I, yeah, so uh, 24, I moved up here um, with uh, $10 to my name and a car full of my just clothes and whatnot. Got rid of my apartment in San Diego, sold everything and just moved up here. And and that was the beginning. 1994 and 1997, I got my booked my first national commercial and it was incredible. Uh, I booked a before that I booked a, a video music video. And I thought, oh, great. I booked a music video. We, I, I did it. It was awesome. And back then when it was golden time and we don't have that anymore, but we danced and it was great. And then uh, I was working at the House of Blues at the time. And uh, my friends that were working, they were actors. And they said, Naomi, you need to act. And I said, no, I'm a dancer. That's how I do. That's what I do. And they said, no, you need to act. And I said, okay. So I tried it. So I, I so I went in for my first audition as an actor. Um, and we all looked, I remember going walking to the room and all these girls, we all looked identical. We all looked the same. We all had long black hair, 
long black dress and red lipstick. And I said, this is not going to work for me. <laughs> this is not going to work for me. I need to stand out. How am I going to say? Because this is no. I chopped all my hair off and I started and I booked and booked and booked and booked and booked and booked commercially. And then next thing you know, theatrical stuff came through. They started putting wigs on me. So I started growing my hair out long. So then my hair stayed long since then. But that was the first beginning of my career mm-hmm. as a performer wow. in Los Angeles. So tell me more about how you actually go about even getting yourself in a position to be in a room to possibly book a job if this wasn't your background and you know your goal. How, how did you figure out what your entree point was? I think a lot of life experience, growing pains assisted in that, in my self-confidence and self-worth. Whereas before as a dancer, I used my body and mo- movements to express my emotions and what I was trying to um, release or uh, with, the, with movements and dance. And, and now I, was, I am able to use my voice now um, to um to relate to convey messages anything so for so the audience can feel something and that is and that is the whole reason that's the whole point of me doing this is so i can i can have someone feel something and have them move something move through them that um will assist them in any way possible um i'm here to use my voice that i have this voice that i that is helpful i think in my work because it's it's memorable it's 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 um, there's strength behind it now, now that I'm in my fifties. Mm-hmm, Whereas mm-hmm. before I, I, that strength wasn't there, that confidence wasn't there. Um, it was all, um, I had to learn it all as I do every day still. It's not mm-hmm. something that I just learn and you just remember it all the time. No, it's something that I work on every day to remember who I am and what I, what I moved through and why I came here and why I'm here as a performer, as a voice, as a public figure. So I can use this platform to really just, use my voice to assist um, others in uplifting them for their journey at this time. Now, was your family supportive of your move or your decision to enter the arts? Yes, absolutely. They really just had no choice. I was the first one to leave from the whole family. I was the first one to, I I was a black sheep, I guess you would say. That's what they say here, a black sheep. Um, And uh, yes, they're proud, but they're also thinking like, oh yeah, that's, that's Naomi. She, she's always doing something great. So, you know, so that I learned this year. So it's, it's okay. If, if I don't get the validation from them all the time, it's the validation I get is the fact that I am so welcomed on the show. I am so welcomed by people that are fans that are watching and just the response I get that's success for me. Just that I, that they feel good and they feel something when they see me on on stage or on, on, on film or TV or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So wait, you mentioned that you were working at the House of Blues. What what other day jobs did you have while you were finding your footing in this industry? So House of Blues was um, a great place. Yeah, I, I joined right when it first opened and it was incredible. I was always, I've always been in the service industry, but if, before that I worked in the hair salon, I went to cosmetology school, I um, worked for a modeling agency. I mean, I did all, I, I did everything I was supposed to do so I can remember what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> So now I'm remembering that I remember that I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to perform. Right. I'm supposed to do that. Well, what was the first professional acting job you booked? Uh, a Toyota campaign mm-hmm. national. Okay. That was my very first. Mm-hmm. It was a Toyota, and I had really short hair, like a buzz cut. Like I just chopped it all, and um, and yeah, that was my very first one. And I remember when I went on to set my very first commercial, my booking. I was so nervous. I don't know. I. I I just didn't know the robes. I was just kind of like, okay. So there's like, there's a Naomi go, you can go over there and sit, sit in your chair. And I said, oh, great. And I saw another girl there wearing the same thing I'm wearing, but she, you know, and I said, oh, I go, maybe she was there too in case I mess up and they're going to use her instead. And so that's what I thought. So I'm sitting there and, and said, hi. <laughs> and we're just kind of just having small talk. I'm so nervous. I didn't know what was going on. And then I hear, okay, second team, please come up. And the guy's saying that's looking over directly at us. So I get up and she gets up and I go, oh, is that both? Is it, is, is it my turn? He goes, no, no, your first team. And I said, so in other words, he went like this. So I said, so, okay, I'll sit, I'm sitting down. And then she goes up and I said, am I already fired? Like, what does that mean? I was so, and like, okay, Naomi, you're up. And then she goes, she goes okay, have fun. The, the girl, that, and I said, have fun. I go, so did we both book the commercial? 
commercial. <laughs> I was so good. And then I learned later on that, yeah, she was just there to be my stand in. And I had no idea what that was. And um, that was my very first experience. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, diversity in casting has become a much bigger priority in the industry at large in recent years. Do you feel like like a lack of role for Asian actors or a lack of vision in casting directors to consider Asian actors for roles that maybe didn't specify the cultural background of a character was an obstacle that you encountered as you were building your way and uh, building your resume, building your credits? Well, what I noticed in the past when, it would, in, when I was um, y- younger and when I first started acting was a lot of roles that I did, you know, I booked a, a hooker, of course, but I just feel like the stereotype of, cultures that the society has put upon us um, that play that had a big play with uh, in casting and mm-hmm. in films and just in every just how everyone is thinking um, just socially how we were trained and conditioned to think we're going moving with the times of of this thing called life on earth with, with um, everything that's happening with um, cultures and diversities and uh, and all that di- division and all that, which I, um, I I did experience that yes because it was it was like oh you're Asian oh so young Asian pretty girl masseuse or a hooker like those were like the typical um, you know uh, roles that were offered for Asian descent of Asian women or that were like the tiger mom or the martial artist you know you're just you're just because we're socially conditioned to to see cultures and um, nationalities that way. Um, so I did experience a little of that, but I didn't use it as a as an excuse or anything like that. It's just, you know, now looking back in hindsight, um, it was what it was. And I believe all of us, we all just went with the flow of how the world was seeing, how we were all seeing each other in our, in our nationalities. So one of the jobs that jumped out to us on your resume um, was an episode of The Comeback starring Lisa Kudrow. So what was your experience oh, like on that show? That was so much fun. That was so much fun. Yeah, she's so great. She was just so awesome. And and the character I played, I played um, her husband's um, uh, teammate, or uh, I worked with her husband. And, uh, and you know, the, the, just because of how I looked, and we were dancing, and I was just kind of getting all in there with him. And, you know, the look on her face and doing rehearsal, she was just like, it, we had so much fun rehearsing and playing that and just having just playing off of each other. I mean, was, I had little lines, but still, it, it was really fun to work with her. Like, it was just fun. I mean, that's the whole point of it. We're having fun doing this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so in 2015, you made your daytime debut on Days of Our Lives, where you briefly played uh, the role of Tori Narita. So was that the first time you'd ever gone out for a soap? That was the first time I was hired to be on a soap, but that was only for one day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the next day they replaced me. So that was that. So I didn't really have an experience sure. in our lives, but I had just that one day of shooting one little scene, and then that was that. So, and then who replaced me is a friend of mine who we, I know, and, um, and I understand the difference of characters, um, why I was not, after they hired me, then they said, no, it's, it's not her, it's going to be someone else. And I, I understand that now. At the time, I was really confused. And, and I just said, I got fired. Why? Or did I get fired? Oh, <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> And why? I don't know what happened. So anyway, a year later, I found out the real reason or if it was, it doesn't matter anymore. But just the fact that it's it, it was fine. And, and the girl that uh, the woman that replaced me is a friend of mine. And I was so happy for her. Uh, it's just was just that she didn't receive the credit for years. Um, I received the credit for years. And that's why looking me up, they'll say, it'll say that I was on Days of Our Lives, but it was only for for one day. Mm-hmm. But you were still on it. But I was still on it. We have so photos. So, you're on so it, it happened. <laughs> um, well, what was that like for you just in general when you were auditioning for any soaps? What other soaps did you audition for? And just the experience that you had growing up watching soaps, was it, it more exciting to go out for that kind of audition? It was, but it was also more nerve wracking because especially in my 20s, I went out a lot for General Hospital and Mark, he's just, they're, he's, I mean, they're just so great. But, you know, in my 20s, I'm just... I'm so anxious. I, I'm, I'm still just trying to find out who I am. And, you know, I got this role and I'm, I'm supposed to play this role and be this person. And, you know, I, I wasn't still understanding exactly. I'm going to go in there and perform. <laughs> like, 
you know, I watch, I know soap operas. I watched them my whole life. I know what they want. So I'm just, oh, I'm just giving performance. And clearly that wasn't what they wanted, but <laughs> thinking, that's what I want to do. I'm going to go in there and just, <laughs> and so that was my experience with soaps. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I, I get excited. I used to get so excited. Um, for, uh, auditioning for soaps because I was just I'm like maybe maybe mm-hmm. and then and then bold and beautiful happen and I'm and I'm thinking and I'm still literally pinching myself like is this is really happening is it really happening it's it's happening it's happening mm-hmm. so. all right well we gotta dive into your time on the bold and the beautiful so we fast forward to 2021 you made your bold and the beautiful debut as Lee Finnegan so tell us about the casting process that you that you went through to land the role. Okay, well, I, I didn't I didn't audition for it. Um, it was offered to me, and just last month, I I asked I, I asked you know Chrissy Dooley and Rachel Rose, um, the executive uh, assistant. I said, can I ask how I booked this role because I I, mean, I did self tapes for Bold and Beautiful years a few years ago. I would, uh, right when self tapes started happening for Bold and Beautiful, right self tapes, and I thought, oh maybe they just saw my tapes and they booked me from that. And um, they said, no, she said, we looked, we looked at reels and we found your reel and, and you, you got yourself this job, Naomi, from your reel. And I was, I said, really? Yeah. <laughs> Can I go say thank you, Christy? <laughs> Just calling my <laughs> Why did that mean so much to you? Because I'm always, because as a performer, I feel like it would, it's, it's nice to have um, just just to feel have someone say you know Naomi that, that, that was a good job mm-hmm. you, you you're doing good you know it's it's nice to hear that um, because you know I worked so hard at it and I and I just and I wonder and I wonder I because I I don't know everything right and <laughs> but I just do the best I can and hopefully I get it right and I just do it and trust and see what happens and it's I think it's the responses. Is, is nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm so appreciative of what all that's happening right now, mm-hmm. which is uh, I'm receiving me. Yeah. Well, you certainly hit the ground running. Uh, Lee came onto the canvas for the wedding of her son, Finn, to Steffi. So tell us about your entry into the show and what you remember about your first day. Oh my gosh. The first day I was a mess. I was, I was so, I was like, oh, please let me breathe. And Ted King, who plays my husband, he's a, he's a veteran. So he, he was like, Naomi, Naomi, just follow my lead. You're going to be fine. It's going to be crazy the first day because you're going to be with, on, on set with everybody on the show. And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? He's like, it's going to go really fast. I go, what do you mean really fast? I go, like, we're all going to rehearse, right? Like a lot of times he goes, no, 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 we don't do that here. But maybe I go, what do you mean? I have a huge monologue. Like, what do you mean? And so, and he's like, Naomi, it's okay. Just, it's all right. Just follow my lead and you got, you're, you're, you're fine. Just know it's going to be like literally like they're all going to come up and they're going to introduce yourself, you know, themselves to you. And the director's going to tell you exactly what to do, where your mark is, where your camera is and all this. With, and I'm, I'm like, OK, OK, OK. All right. OK, breathe, breathe, breathe. And we just and I just literally just was like hanging on to him, like <laughs> staying next to him, like, looking at him like, OK, the director. The, OK, what do I go? What do I do? What do I do? Like it was just such a. It was nerve wracking, but so much fun at the same time. And I just said, okay, let me just breathe. And, and John Cook came up to me and he was like, Naomi, you just don't, you, you, there's a reason why you're here. And he gave me such a wonderful pep talk. They all came up to me. We just, we're so happy you're here. And we're, you know, you're so beautiful. And thank you. So we hope you stay. And there was so much love and welcome, the welcome that I got that, it was, it really helped me just, um, just smile within and knowing that I could do this with so much support on set. Everyone around me was just so supportive that I could cry. It was so magical. If I was in your shoes, knowing that the Bold and the Beautiful tapes in the same studio as Young and the Restless, I would have been trolling the halls trying to get a glimpse of a Victor Newman or a Jack Abbott. <laughs> oh my you God. Any of that? I had a starstruck meltdown moment when I saw Victor Newman because I'm running. I'm trying to get home to the babysitter. I'm running. We wrapped. I'm like, oh, and then there's, there's a, there he is in the hallway. And, and here, here I am running. Victor Newman! <laughs> He's like, okay, and I'm like, <laughs> meltdown. Oh, oh my God, Victor Newman. <laughs> so that was me. He's, he's like, okay, okay, wow. <laughs> but, 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 
complete <laughs> fool out of myself. I, I'm like, it's Victor Newman. I've seen been watching him since I was, you know, in elementary school. And there he is. And I'm, he's right here. He's right there. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Uh, well, it sounds like Ted King was very helpful when you first started. Um, Thank tell God us about him. Mm-hmm. Thank God. We do too. Um, mm-hmm. And tell us about your relationship with Tanner Novlin, who plays your oh, son. Oh, he's so special. He's so special. He's so down to earth. He's so just, he's, you know, he's, I, 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 he's just, he's amazing. He's, he's so, he's, he's great. I mean, I, I don't, what, what else can I say? It's like, he's just always right there. I just, we, when we rehearse, he's always, you know, just present with me and, and uh, he jokes around a little bit, you know, loosens, loosens things up on the set a little bit at times, you know, and, um, and yeah, I really respect him. He's, 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 he's so nice. Mm-hmm. He's just nice. It's just nice energy. He's a Canadian. I was going to say it, the Canadians is that Canadian nice energy is so same with Jack and Wood. They're just so nice and just real. And there's nothing, no, there's no pretentious nothing about them or no ego, nothing. They're just both just like, hi, let's do the scene. Let's do it. It's like, yeah, so great. So open and supportive. There, it's just everyone there is just, I, I feel I've just won the lottery. I feel like just so nice. So was that your experience of Jackie from day one? Oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. She's so she's not only is she just like gorgeous out here, but like her 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 personality her is makes her even I mean, doesn't even compare to what she looks like on the physical. She's pure heart. She's so sweet. It's a great cast. Wow, yeah. everyone really. is so lovable, so great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as with any good soap wedding, there were some shockers at Finn and Steffi's. It was revealed that Finn's birth mother is the infamous Sheila Carter, played by Kimberlyn Brown. Uh, You know, I don't think we could have predicted at the time just how much drama was in store for Lee and Sheila. But what were your first impressions of Kimberlyn? She was so, oh my gosh, she's so great. She goes, Naomi, she goes, there's going to be a cat fight watch in the future. And I said, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? I'm just me. I'm like I mean, I know your face because of Y and R, and I go, oh, now I'm shooting with someone that I recognize. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> so I go home. I'm like, I can show with someone. <laughs> and, uh, so my friends were laughing, and Kimberly is so incredible. She is so generous. She's like this. She's she's professional. Naomi, what do you need? always what do you need Naomi step one step to the right and your cat won't get you like she's that actor she's so generous she's so helpful she she's all about she's old school all about the scene let's just do this all about the scene and that's how I am it's all about the scene let's do the scene for the show let's mm-hmm. do it let's have fun let's do the best you know have the most you know everything and I have the I have the most fun with Kimberly mm-hmm. well you just mentioned that you incorrectly thought there might be lots of time for some luxurious rehearsal that wasn't the case uh is there anything else that you can think of as you were acclimating to the show that was like different from what you expected or that there was a learning curve for to working in this genre uh lines (laughs) (laughs) uh uh, the lines memorizing all like the lines and just all of that uh i've definitely feel um because i'm so self-taping for you know for other auditions i definitely noticed um my my brain memory part of uh, memorizing lines had really kicked up a notch. That's one thing I did notice about that. And um, just, I feel like more grounded. I'm learning so much. I feel like this is the best, I mean, like, again, it's the lottery. I'm learning so much of this craft. Like, and I keep hearing, you know, if you, once you're done, do a soap, you can do anything. My God, your discipline, your, you know, you know, and I'm, I've always, um, I learned very early to um, be on set early to not have them call for you or anything like that. And um, I, I really take that to heart. Like I learned so much about because it's not just it's not it's not it's not about me. It's about the show and there's other people on the show. It's other people working. We're all as we're all one team and we all work together. So I always make sure that I'm there waiting. That I don't wait. I don't waste any any time um, mm-hmm. for the show. So I'm learning so much um, just by watching and hearing, you know, just just observing everything daily. 
So I'm so thankful. It's this is such the it's the best time right now that I'm I'm having the best time right now, learning so much and just being appreciative and and being appreciated too. Yeah. So it feels good. Well, speaking of being appreciated, I feel like the audience really took a shine to you from the get go. And I don't know how much you go on Twitter and such, but presuming you did get a bit of a sense of how this fan response was to both you and Lee, um, what did that warm reception mean to you? Everything. I mean, it's everything for uh, for me, so, because then it tells me that I'm doing something right, that it tells me that that um, that um, there's something here that I that they that, that they like that that they like enough to tweet about it or to even take the seconds to text something or anything just response just any kind of response um it's and every and every and everyone that says something even if it is against me i'm so appreciative of it because it still took they still took the time who's saying things against you naomi i'm gonna come for that in their DM. <laughs> well i think it's, it was for the character it's, uh-huh. it's the character, you know all right. So uh, Lee's marriage to Jack imploded with the reveal that he had lied to her for many years and he was actually Finn's biological father via a long ago affair with Sheila. So I'm curious to know when you got those scripts and saw that the show was giving you like such a big opportunity to really strut your dramatic chops. Were you excited? Were you nervous? You know, talk us through that, everything you were feeling. Jumping up and down, dancing, <laughs> screaming. You know, my room, not, my room, not my roommate, my friend also, we were just dancing up and down. And then I was like, yay, I get to finally like, do big scenes and I get to do like, you know, trauma scenes. Like, I remember saying that and just, and we would just rehearse her and I up here, you know, before I would go. She's like, okay, let's, you know, we'll just go over and over and again. And so I have my lines down. So when I go to set, you know, then I can just play and just really take it in and, um, just really focus on my my character's background and just where she came from, so I can just go ahead and ease and in, ease into it and just let the words flow out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a dance party up here, that's for sure. <laughs> well, what do you remember about actually filming them? What do I remember? Mm-hmm. Like, like, what my thumb, like I almost threw up in my mouth. <laughs> like, like I was so nervous. Like I remember even the stage manager Lisa was like, "Naomi, are you okay?" <laughs> I was well okay because I, there was so much direction and then it was a really emotional scene that I you know we had to do it was uh you know him let my Ted King telling me about the betrayal it was that scene and it was really emotional but I loved it I loved it so much because I love these scenes like that because I just love my the emotional life is so deep and I can grab whatever I had and just oh but then at the same time, okay, I have to remember that. And she wanted me to pick my, my purse on that line. And then she wanted me to look over there on the other line. And I'm like, what do you mean? And then I have to look at this camera. And that's my other camera. I was literally a mess. And I remember thinking, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I just closed my eyes and I said, okay, breathe, Naomi. Just, just someone help me. <laughs> breathe. Pray. Thank you. I'm ready. Let's go. And then just take a big breath and and I just do it. I don't know what happens after that. It just I just I black out after that. I just just what happens, what happens. Amazing. So those scenes ultimately became even more significant because you put them on your Emmy reel and you earned your first nomination in the guest performer category. So what did that recognition and honor mean to you? Just bawling my eyes out like just bawling my eyes out and just no words except thank you and crying and thank you. And that's it. Like I just, at first I was like, what was what, what this email? Like, oh, great. Emmys. That's awesome. What? <laughs> that, is that my, and then Brad Bell called, what? What? You, what? what? <laughs> that was my reaction. I remember I was sitting on the floor with my dog and just literally just going like this. Just it, it didn't even hit me until I, until I heard Brad Bell's voice and then just bawling after that. It's just tear fast after that. Just you know, thank <laughs> 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 you. Wait, really? What do you mean? Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, that was it. Was just a big cry. I was a big cry baby. Mm-hmm. Well, your co-star Ted ended up winning that award, but it seemed to me like you won pretty big yourself at the daytime Emmys. Not only did you look spectacular, but you got to meet and take a picture with Susan Lucci, star of All My Children, the show you watched as a child. So tell us about meeting her. Oh, so I went to the bathroom and I see her and I freeze. 
And I'm like, and I tapped on the shoulder and I said, Susan, <laughs> she turns around so high. And I said, hi. <laughs> I've been watching you since I first came to this country. And I was, I, I'm like, I don't even know if she understood anything I said, but she said that she hung up because she was like, oh, you know, she was so sweet. I said, can I get a picture with you? <laughs> She's like, of course. And she goes, did you speak any English? And I said, no, I didn't speak any English. But I knew you, I just, re- I knew you were fantastic. Fantastic. I wanted to be you and I'm here now. And she was like, oh, sweetheart. And I was like, what sweetheart? Picture time. And I'm crying in my picture with her. And I said, I'm here with you. This is, this is a big win for me alone. Just this moment right here. This, my dream come true since I was literally a baby, six years old. I'm, it's, I'm, I've made it. I can die now. Thanks. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Did you have? Did you did you even know she was going to be there that night? No. And then Tracy um, Brightman, she was in there too. And then she turned, and I said, "Oh, and you trick!" And she goes, "Naomi." I go, "You know my name?" <laughs> She's like I watched you in the blue room, and I go, "What's the blue room or the blue screen?" Or uh, she said, "Blue something." I said, "What's that?" She goes, "I watched your scenes, and they're really good." What's happening right now? Another, you know, and then my sister's like, "Stop crying, your makeup." Oh my god! And I was like, "I can't." It was just the best night ever. It was the biggest win ever for me. It's like just to be nominated is the biggest win, the biggest. Like I'm telling you, it's my lottery ticket. I just won. It's the it's that feeling. It's 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 that, and I carry. I feel it every day. So I'm so happy. That's very very cool. Well, uh, 2022 has proven to be a very big year for Lee, uh, to say the least. And we're only, what, uh, you know, a chunk uh, into it thus far. But to recap, Finn, quote unquote, died at the hands of Sheila, only for the show to reveal that he was actually alive and that Lee had absconded with him and was keeping him alive. So talk us through what you thought when you found out about that twist. I said, good for Lee. (laughs) (laughs) I said, yay, the way to, way to be a, you know, just, you know, step up to that, just be the mama, you know, the protective mama that, you know what, I would do that. Absolutely. I would do that. So I ran with it. I was like, yes, let's go be, let's do this. <laughs> I was like, yeah, go Lafa, let's do it. <laughs> Well, it seems Kimberlyn was on to something because this storyline has included some pretty epic confrontation scenes between Lee and Sheila. And I have truly been impressed by how well matched you and Kimberlyn are. I mean, from the outside looking in, it does not seem like she's an easy person to go up against when she's in Sheila mode and you do it expertly. So tell us what those scenes have been like to play. Because she's such an incredible actress. She's so, prof- she's such a professional. She's she's such a veteran. She, she just knows what to do. And so... I always follow, I said, I follow her lead. She was, she taught, she's my teacher. She taught me so much um, of, 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 to, of, of how to, how to, how, how to, um, to um, create scenes that we would, that we did together. Boy, I, I took her lead so many times because, you know, she's so fantastic. And then that just helped me just, boom. It's, her push, her, not her pushing, but her, being so grounded pushed me to be even more grounded to stand my ground even more up to her because I know she's the villain and Lee Finnegan's got to beat her somehow I go that's my that was I remember thinking that's what I gotta do that's what that that that's my objective that's it I've got to beat her period I've got to be a stronger if not stronger than her and you know I'm like this tiny thing <laughs> but this stuff but those stuff girls that came and helped us, they were so wonderful. And, you know, I do have martial arts in my background. So I, I, I am, I do choreography very well with my dance background and my martial arts. So I know how to do fight scenes very well. And I enjoy that because it's, it's a dance for me. Any any kind of martial arts fight is, is still a dance because it's choreographed. So that was so much fun to do with her too. And she's, because when she gives it, she gives it, she's scared. She can be so scary. So boy, and I I really, really get scared. But <laughs> you know, I'm sure it just played well because I was really genuinely scared at times. There was no acting there. That was a real deal. <laughs> 
So when you have these kinds of scenes with Kimberlyn, do you get to talk them over, talk about what you're going to do, or do you like oh, to yeah. save it for the actual filming? No, no, no. Kimberlyn, we, we talk about everything. And I appreciate that. And I love that because it gives me, it, it gives me more space also to just really give myself permission because we, we talked about it already to give each other permission um, because they are big, you know, the physical scenes. Um, and just to stay true to our characters, you know, to, to do our to do my character, you know, it's complete. Just to do the best I can for Lee, just mm -hmm. to really let her show up and shine mm -hmm. and fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, another big Lee surprise was in store when she was in a fiery car crash, and we thought she was toast. So, two part question here. First of all, when you heard about that, were you like, "Wait, what? Um, am I living?" And yeah. then talk us through how you looked when you finally came back. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. When they first told me that I was going to drop, you know, go off and into the water, I, I said, well, I said, thank you so much. I had the best time here with you guys. I'll never forget my time here with Bold. And he said, no, Naomi, you're you're, you're, you're going to live. And I go, I'm going to swim out of the crash somehow. He goes, <laughs> and I said, I swim very well. I can swim. <laughs> I was like, okay, good, yay! So, so that, I was excited about that, and then, um, and then, yeah, me the the me looking homeless wasn't that. I was that was so much fun. <laughs> that was my favorite when I looking like that, the makeup and the hair, and just you know, it and also being in the way I looked. It, of course, it helps you get into character always, and that was my favorite. Being homeless was my favorite. It really was. The cost costuming, just when I where I really get to be that character, it just it, it, it made it so much more fun for me. Well, it was the, such a stark contrast too, because Lee is very glamorous and polished, and uh, then we went in the other direction. So, which takes longer in the makeup chair? <laughs> oh, the, the the homeless for sure. <laughs> yeah, the homeless for sure. That was a lot. Yeah. You know, I kept skipping more, more dirt, more dirt. And they were just like, I'm just standing there. And this dirt's being poured on me. And I said, more, more. Yes, great, great, great. <laughs> well, Lee was rescued by a most unlikely kindly stranger in Bill Spencer. And fans saw sparks right away between Lee and Bill. So tell us about working with Don Diamond. It was wonderful. It's great. I mean, I, you know, he, he he's a veteran and he's been there a long time. And um, again, it was just so nice working with someone that just has been, that knows his, knows the ropes and pretty much uh, is a professional. And we just, just banged out our scenes and it was really nice. It's really nice, and I'm glad that the, there was chemistry there for the audience. I, I'm, I'm happy that there was chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, were you, like, surprised that the reaction from fans was so immediate? Because I don't even think it had aired in Los Angeles before I was seeing all sorts of tweets about it in New York. I would, I'm, I'm just so surprised, at, but I understand now um, the fans because I was, you know, I was like them. I, I was, a, I was a fan, you know, for sure, you know, watching all those years. But um, yeah, I, I appreciate, I, I appreciate the fans immediately just, just jumping on and rooting for Lee to be with uh, Bill Spencer. Um, that, it just, it just felt so nice. And um, it, it just, it was like a nice, warm, yummy feeling that I got, you know, when I'm, I, I don't go much on Twitter very much, um, but I, Instagram I do. And just watch, just looking at the, um, the messages, what, what they're saying. And the majority of them are, yes, for the Bill and Bill Spencer and Lee Finnegan to get together. There was a few comments that were not. Oh. <laughs> Disregard those. those. Those were typos. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lee's decision to allow Steffi to believe that Finn was dead is likely to be a source of tension between Lee and her daughter-in-law moving forward. So do you think Lee has any regrets or would do things differently if given a do-over? Probably not. Probably not. No. No. <laughs> Hey, he's alive. Oh, <laughs> yep. Bottom line, I mean, at that point, that's all she, her focus was 100% on her son and that's it. And no one, no one would ever be, would interfere with that. But because she's so determined, she's a neurosurgeon. Of course, she's going to save her son and she's not going to care about his wife because she partly blames 
the lifestyle of his his wife and their family, you know, at least pissed in a way still kind of, and just still afraid she could still, because he's, she could still lose him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's still back, you know? Yeah. He's back to, I brought him back to life. She brought him back to life, but he's still in the limelight. He could still be in danger because he's still, a, he's with the, he's married to the foresters. So Lee will always be on guard and she'll, she'll always be protective and always make sure that her son is her only son. So yeah, she's going to make sure I feel like so far what she's done so far, she's not going to back down. If anything, she'll always be on guard. I, I feel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's interesting. I feel like there, there, there have been so many new layers to lead that have been introduced and expanded upon. Uh, and I don't know how long you thought you might be on the show when you first started, but what does it mean to you that, the show has clearly been inspired to continue writing for you and for Lee. I appreciate that, that they actually want to do that for me with me. And so I'm just appreciative of that, that I I'm bringing something that they want to work with. So that right there is just a huge thank you and appreciate an appreciation overflowing of appreciation that I have. Um, and so that I am able to uh, really bring l- deeper layers of Lee into the show because I feel like she does have darker stuff coming up. Ooh, good tease. <laughs> <laughs> We like that. Um, well, you know what? Like- we'll not only give you an ooh, we'll give you a dun-dun-dun. <laughs> well, I just watched my episode with, with my confrontation with Lee, uh, with Steffi, Lee with Steffi, you know, and yeah, I I, I, I noticed my voice got lower. I noticed uh, just I kind of got scarier, <laughs> I guess. A little bit, yeah. I said, oh, where did that come? Oh, I went, okay, scary. Isn't that scary? Yes, you are now. Okay. <laughs> but like, I didn't mean to go dark. Like, but I just, I think I went, was it? It seemed dark when I watched it, but I just- Appropriately dark. Yeah. It's- Talking about resurrecting, basically. <laughs> <laughs> appropriately, so- really? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now, before we let you go, is there anything you would like to say to the bold and beautiful viewers who are so happy to have you on the show? Just thank you. Just thank you. That's. I mean, all I can say is thank you. Mm-hmm. Just, I have nothing else to say, but thank you <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> Well, that's wonderful. And we are so looking forward to seeing what's ahead for Lee. You've been a breath of fresh air on the show. And we hope to have a reason to speak to you again soon. Me too. Thank you so much, ladies. I appreciate you guys so much today. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Naomi Matsuda for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Podcast.